Hey everyone, and welcome back to the 20 Minute Marketing Podcast. Thanks for listening, and as always, I hope you're having a great day. For anyone that is listening for the first time, my name is Liam from Reach Interactive. Reach is a UK SMS marketing provider that helps businesses around the world send text messages to their customers. On the show, I interview marketing experts and we cover lots of different themes, topics and channels for around 20 minutes. Today's episode marks number 45 of the show and I'm really excited to welcome our guest, Elliot King from Mint Twist, which is an award-winning digital agency that is based in London. So hi Elliot, how are you today? It's going great, thanks Liam, thanks, it's going great. Yeah, that's good to hear. And thanks for giving up your time to be with us. Can you tell us about yourself and Mint Twist, please? Yeah, sure. So my name's Elliot King. I'm the CEO and co-founder of, of Mint Twist. Uh, Mint Twist is a full service digital agency. So that means we design and develop websites, but probably our biggest focus of work is, is digital marketing and it's full service digital marketing. So we do everything from social media advertising, Google AdWords, paid advertising, Organic search, so search engine optimization is a massive strength of, of the agency, you know, as is organic social and content marketing. So across the board, and we, we work with uh, about 70 clients, most of whom are in UK, but a, a significant minority uh, are from Europe. And for most of our clients, we're, we're sort of working holistically across you know, digital channels that are important for them. And we get involved in the tactics, but also obviously the, the strategy and working closely with, with their in-house marketing teams to help them get the most out of whatever it is they're doing. Awesome. You've got all bases covered at Mint Twist then when it comes to digital marketing. We're going to get started with the episode now where we'll be talking about multi-channel, the user buying journey, Silicon Valley and more. Before we dive into some marketing questions, I'm going to ask you a couple of quick questions about your background, if that's all right, Elliot. I listened to one of your podcast episodes before we got started today, and I learned that you moved to Silicon Valley during the start of the tech boom. So I'd love to know more about that experience for you. Yeah, so, so the, the story is an interesting one, really, and I'll, I'll sort of give you it now for a couple of minutes. So for context, I'm 44 years old. Um, which means I was born in the 70s and I was a child of the 80s. So I was one of these children who, who sort of grew up with the very early stage home computers. And in those days, there were very, very few games. And so a lots of sort of children my age in the 80s with these types of computers were quite highly motivated to learn the basics of programming because it was literally a case of you had to kind of program your own games so that you could play games, basically. So, so that was my first taste of, of programming. And I went to you know, university and studied it there and, and came out of university, I guess, in the mid in the mid 90s, when there was a significant shortage of computer programmers. I mean, we think there's a shortage now, but back then it was, it was a huge shortage. And so I was quite quickly able to, to get quite good jobs. And my, my other passion as well as computers was traveling. So I had the opportunity to go out and work in, in Silicon Valley in the West Coast of, of the United States. And I went there in 1999, which for those of you who know your history, it was right in the middle of the dot-com boom. So this was the time when, when websites and specifically e-commerce websites were, were being built for the first time, really. Amazon, you know, was an up-and-coming 
company. Google was an eight-person company when I was there in 1999, started it in San Francisco. And, and so I, I worked there and, and alongside thousands of programmers from all over the world who were working for these startup companies. And then again, for those of you who know your history, there was the dot-com boom, but actually in, in the year 2000, there was the dot-com bust. So all of these companies that had been funded via um, venture capital investment money, they'd been funded on the, on the premise that they were going to start to turn a profit. And the reason why there was the bust is because these companies just weren't making any profit. So in Silicon Valley, where people were relatively tech savvy, you know, some people were using these websites and buying things, but the broader you know, consumers in the rest of the US, but around the rest of the world, they just weren't ready to put their credit cards into a website at that time, sort of 20 years ago now. And, and so the customers didn't arrive to these websites and the whole industry you know, went bust. And, you know, and most, of them, most of them never survived. You know, Amazon and a handful of others obviously saw through that recession that, that followed and, and went on to become you know, huge companies. From a personal perspective, what I took away from, from that experience was that actually you could build the most amazing website, but if you had no ability to drive customers to that website, then you would never really be able to make it work. You can build the best website in the world, but if no one knows about it, it's not going to make you any money. And so that was part of the motivation for starting a digital marketing agency that, that is now Mint Twist. And, and I, you know, I took that, that experience forward with me. Yeah, that's a really cool story. The part where you talked about the dot-com bust is very interesting too, because I think it's easy for young people now to just assume that Silicon Valley is a big tech hub that companies go to if they want guaranteed success. So it's interesting to hear about its early struggles and some of the stories behind how it was started. Before we started our recording, we also spoke about you being a visiting lecturer at a university. So what are some of the things that you teach your students about the mistakes that those companies made, as well as the consumer buying journey? Yeah, that's right, Liam. So Mint Twist and I authored a digital marketing course that's targeted at, at marketers who, who want to get up to speed on digital, um, but from a very practical perspective so that they can apply digital techniques to what they're already doing to improve their marketing results. And so the, the focus of the course really is bringing together the, the expertise that myself and my agency have, which is we know how to design and develop a website, but we also know how to drive you know, relevant targeted visitors to that website so you can actually monetize the website. So what we really mean by this is we're, we're solving the problem that so many of those dot-com e-commerce websites in 1999 and 2000, they didn't do. They had a great website but no way of marketing it. The course is entirely focused at driving relevant traffic to a site you know, that will convert. And I'm sure we'll dig into it, but the, but the best way of doing that is really by making use of all of the digital marketing channel groups that are out there. So social media, you know, search, content, email, SMS, and more, and combining these tactics in a manner that will you know, maximize the return on, on the investment that you, that you make on these, you know, these individual channels. So you've mentioned multi-channel marketing a few times now. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on how businesses can approach multi-channel, particularly smaller businesses or in-house marketers that might not have the same access to resources that a full-scale agency or multinational company might have. Yeah. So whether you're a small business, a medium-sized business or a global brand, I think marketing is about knowing your, your customers and knowing your, you know, your target customer groups. And, and most marketers will, will have a good idea about what 
this looks like but if you sort of sit down with a pen and paper and you just sketch out you know what what's called the user journey so first of all what what does a, a good customer what is a good fit between your company and, and that customer's sort of needs and wants what is a good fit can you describe that customer and that becomes the customer persona and so right at the top of the funnel in marketing we talk about suspects so a suspect means it's the right customer for your organization and your business organization is the right place for them to you know to be speaking with but actually you don't know each other so you've got to create awareness at the top of the funnel and this is where something like social media advertising can can be so effective because you don't have to know a customer you just have to know how to describe them in terms of you know their demographics you know where they live you know what they like and, and, and using the targeting capabilities of social advertising we can do exactly that and create awareness at the top of the funnel which turns a suspect into a prospect meaning that they become aware of, of your offer yeah that makes a lot of sense and you covered the top of the funnel really well there so moving down that funnel to the middle of it, for example, what can marketers do during that phase of the consumer buying journey? Yeah, absolutely. So in the middle of the funnel, customers you know, might, might be aware of us. So they might have been, for example, on our website and they might have had a look at our product or service. Most customers, if you think about yourself, um, certainly if it's any purchase of any significance, are unlikely to buy at their first visits. Cu customers need a number of touch points, and that's true of online customers as well. So if a customer, a potential customer, has been on our website, what we want to do is, is, is go back to them or motivate them to come back to, to our site to research a little bit more about what they're looking for you know, with, with, with this purchase decision, this journey that they're on. And so one of the ways that we can do that is obviously remarketing and retargeting. So, you know, using cookies, we can track users that have visited our website and we can go back and market to them via banner advertising, via social advertising, or even search advertising. And we can bring these, you know, so-called warm users. They're warm because they've already, they've already been on our site. We can bring them back to a more specific or more focused page it's more focused at actually making an offer and, and aiming to convert that client. Uh, search marketing works in the middle of the funnel as well, because if you think about um, a potential customer, you know, making a, a relevant search for your product, you know, mountain bikes in, in Yorkshire, accountancy firms in London. If, if a user is entering a search, you know, like that and whatever search is relevant for your business, and it implies that there are points in that buying journey, which is, you know, which is quite progressed. It means they're nearly ready. They're nearly ready to, to see that mountain bike or to meet that potential accountant. And if we can capture those phrases via, you know, SEO, organic search, or, or even paid search, then we're, we're bringing visitors that not only, you know, are, are relevant in terms of who they are, but we know that they're at a point in that journey where they're really nearly ready to buy. So, so search and remarketing are just two of the key tactics that work in the middle of the funnel. Yeah, I agree. And we actually covered the middle funnel in detail on an episode a few weeks ago. I spoke with Claire Jarrett and she talked about how you can follow your prospects around the web. Once you have a remarketing strategy set up, then it is just a few pennies sometimes for each click, which is much cheaper than top of the funnel costs. Yeah, absolutely, Liam. And, and like, like you're saying, the conversion rates are so much higher because they're, they're already essentially pre-qualified you know, prospects. So yeah, it's a, it's a great tactic to employ. So I'm guessing that the next step is to then target existing customers at the bottom of the funnel with offers and reasons to make repeat purchases. Yeah, and then the interesting thing about the bottom funnel, it's quite industry specific because if it's sort of, you know, a repeat purchase play, then, then yes, it's about getting customers to, to buy more from you. If it's not that type of thing, 
then it, the tactic might be about motivating them to, to leave a review. Or, you know, if, if you're a sort of a holiday destination, for example, you might not necessarily have the same customer coming back every, every year. But if you can motivate them to leave a positive review for, for your destination, then, uh, then this will increase the chance of, of other customers engaging with that re review and then converting to become new customers. So the, the bottom of the funnel depends very much on, on your strategy and what type of business you are. So you've mentioned all three levels of the customer buying funnel now then, all of which are important for their own reasons. What are some of the things that tie them together and how can businesses get started and achieve success in all three phases? Yeah, that, that's a great question, Liam. So I think this is where data and analytics really comes to the fore because we can have you know, the best strategy in the world where we've got you know, all of our awareness tactics working, we've got our conversion tactics in the middle of the funnel working, and then we've got you know, our, our, our loyalty and you know, uh, repeat revenue, you know, up, upselling tactics working at the bottom of the funnel, depending on what type of business we are. But to pull all these things together, we want to map what we're doing and what the results are relative, relative to the point in the funnel in which that tactic has to work. So at the top of the funnel, we want to measure you know, impressions and clicks. In the middle of the funnel, we want to measure clicks and conversions. And at the bottom of the funnel, if possible, we want to measure you know, new customers and or you know, revenue and the profit generated. So if we can have the right data and the right analytics tools all set up and all singing off the same hymn sheet, we can pull this data into something like Google Data Studio and have a live dashboard so that the marketing team can monitor exactly what's going on at all stages in the funnel. And they know if one part of that funnel needs more investment or needs more work or needs more content or needs more attention, they can apply their attention to the right place in, in the funnel. And that's certainly what we, we aim to provide for all of our clients at Mint Twist. I think Data Studio is definitely a tool that gets overlooked sometimes. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. And I know that there are some marketers out there that have created some fantastic custom dashboards that are really easy to import your data into. And you can find them just by searching Data Studio custom dashboards, for example, and Google will present you with a big long list of them. To wrap up this main section, I think it would be cool to hear an example of a brand that is using all three levels of the buying funnel to achieve success. Feel free to use a client example if you'd like to. I know that you might not be able to name them though. Yeah, so a recent example is a, is a multinational brand that sells children's bikes uh, in the USA and across Europe and the rest of the world. And they initially came to us about a year ago just to optimize their, their Amazon advertising. So effectively bring down the cost per new customer acquisition and the cost per purchase that they were achieving on the Amazon platform in the UK and Europe. And after a few months of optimizing you know, their content, optimizing their listings, improving their advertising, we were able to bring down their, their, their cost per acquisition by, by over 50%. They were so pleased with what we were doing. They, they sort of asked us what else we could do. And this is when we, we had the conversation with them about the funnel. We said, look, you know, there, there are lots of customers on the Amazon platform finding your products and buying them. But actually what we want to do is do some work at the top of the funnel because we think that your brand, although it's very well known in the USA, is, is not particularly well known here in the UK and Europe. And so what we want to do is to run some more brand focused advertising on, on channels that you hadn't previously considered in the UK, like Instagram and, and Facebook, to target the parents of the, the users of your products and then drive them through remarketing towards those purchase points, which is Amazon, but also your own website where, where the commission 
uh, you didn't ha you don't have to pay commission to Amazon. So if we can drive more buyers go direct through your website, we believe that will be better for you. Thankfully, they believed us. <laughs> we put in place these tactics and we've now tripled the sales that they're achieving in the UK. And we've more than doubled the sales that they're achieving in their, in their European markets. It just goes to show that you, if you focus your tactics at each point in the funnel, the net benefit can be larger than you might expect than, than just by tweaking you know, some, some particular tactic that may or may not be working for you at the moment. That's a really cool example and it shows how different levels of that funnel go hand in hand together. And I think it also shows the value of brand building long term, as well as things like running ads, requesting reviews, running promotions, for example. Absolutely, Leo. I think you're right. Too often marketers think of brand building as some sort of fluffy exercise that doesn't really add value. We at Mintus firmly believe that good brand awareness marketing connected to good conversion and engagement tactics you know, absolutely pays for itself. Yeah, completely agree. Speaking of Amazon too, they actually announced this week that Prime Day is going to be held on October 12th and 13th this year, which is just in two weeks' time. Um, it's usually held in July, but there's been a delay for obvious reasons this year. But I'm definitely interested to see how it goes and how they're going to promote it, given that a lot of people have been hit financially this year. And we also have Black Friday and Christmas right around the corner. So we're going to close out this main section right here and finish the episode with a couple of fun questions to close out. So the first question that I always ask in this closing section, Elliot, is do you have a fun or memorable story that stands out when you look back on your career? It could be something that's inspiring, a bit cringy, or just something that makes you laugh or smile. Well, I've got a memorable and you know, pretty embarrassing story. It was very early on in our, in our startup days. I was having a meeting with, with one of our only clients, really. And the premise of the meeting from the client's perspective was to drive down the, the very low payments that they weren't making us drive them down even lower so after the meeting had finished I sent an email to my colleague disparaging this client's uh, approach to the meeting and, and suggesting that actually we we looked at you know up his price rather than give him even more of a reduction than he was already getting I hasten to add I'm you know I, I'm 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 in love with all of my clients. I like my clients very much, but this particular client was a challenge. And I fired off this email thinking it was going to my colleague, but unfortunately for me, I'd actually sent it back to the client himself. Instead of forwarding the email, I'd, I had replaced the reply button. And just as it went, it crossed my eyes that it was going back to the client himself and not to my colleague. So I leapt across our very tiny office at the time and pulled out the plug of the main server that was sitting in our office but unfortunately for me it wasn't in time so when the server was back up and running i saw that the message had been sent to the client you know unsurprisingly the client didn't speak to me for about a year i have to say he did carry on as our client and i'm even happier to say he's still a client today and we're now very good friends but that's my embarrassing story and uh, I guess the moral of the story for me was even if you do have something bad to say about a client, never, ever write it down and certainly not on email. Yeah, that's a funny one. A few other guests on the show have also shared stories about rogue emails, so you're not alone on that one. My final question is, do you have a favorite resource that might help other business owners, agency owners or marketers with their daily tasks? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm a regular listener of the Social Media Examiner podcast. They actually run two shows 
uh, an interview show and, and a live talk show where they, where they look at the latest news and trends in social media. And it's, I think it's a great resource. Yeah, I love it. Short and sweet. And speaking of podcasts, Elliot and the team at Mint Twist also have a show named Watch Time. So be sure to go and check that out on your favourite streaming platforms. Their latest episode is all about the social dilemma, which has been a big topic lately. And I know that they have other really exciting and informative episodes that are already out too. So we're going to close out the episode here. Thank you for your time, Elliot, and sharing some great insights and stories with us. Thanks very much, Liam. It's been a pleasure to come on your podcast. Thank you for having me. Not a problem. Thank you for listening, everyone. And we'll be back next week with another cool and exciting topic.